Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Well, if you have a copy of Scripture, go ahead and open up with me one last time to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Today we're wrapping up uh, what has been a powerful five-weeks together um, that we've called Connected. Over the last uh, month, all five Sundays of June, we talked about what does it look like to live a life that's truly connected to Jesus. We said the reality is we live in a world today that is more connected than ever before. I mean, we've got cell phones and text messages and emails and Facebook, and you can be anybody's friend and anywhere in the world with one click. We're more connected than ever before, but yet so many times we live a life that's more disconnected from Jesus, who is the source of true life. And so if you missed any of the series, um, I'm going to give you a four-week recap in 40 seconds. Go ahead and start the clock. Week one, week one, we talked about the power of connectivity. We said that, that God often, he will remove those who are not bearing fruit. And then we said he will also reshape or he will prune those who are in Christ so that we can be more fruitful. So for some of you, maybe you're in a pruning season, but remember pruning is not punishment. It's merely just preparation if you'll let God work that out in your life. Week two, Josh did an awesome job of reminding us that there really is true peace in being connected to Jesus, like true peace can really exist. He talked about that in week two. In week three, we talked about a connected love, and we said this love looks way different than the way that the world defines love, but it's love that lasts, it's love that's eternal. And then last week, um, Tyler did an awesome job in part four of talking about the reality that, that persecution proves connection. That for us as believers, there are times, there are seasons where we will walk through persecution from the world and we're called to to maybe be persecuted but not to persecute. And so today we're going to wrap up with the final seven verses of John chapter 15 as we close out our series together. We're going to pick up in verse 21. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to read um, the entire passage together. Then we'll come back and highlight some different truths that I think are important for us to grab onto today. Now before we start reading, remember where we left off last week. Okay, it's just been one story, one flow, one chapter. Last week we left off with Jesus talking about persecution. And so today he's going to pick up and continue on that thought. And here's what Jesus says in John 15. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, three truths that I want us to pull out today from John 15 as we wrap up connected together. The first one is this. The connection to Jesus brings rejection from the world. Connection to Jesus will bring rejection from the world. Uh, In connection with the persecution that Jesus talked about last week, right, in verse 21, we read it. Jesus started, he says this. He says, they will treat you this way because of my name. Jesus is saying that when you connect your life to him through relationship and faith in Jesus, it will bring rejection from the world. 
He says the rejection comes because of his name and because the world does not understand God the Father who sent Jesus the Son. See, in this time, people rejected Jesus, literally the man on earth, because they didn't understand God. They didn't know God, so therefore they were like, who, who are you? You say you're sent from God, but who are you? And in Paul, in Romans 1, he talks about the mind, the thoughts of these people who were unbelieving. Um, listen to what he writes, Romans 1, 28. He says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, they didn't take in the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Many in this day rejected the knowledge of God, therefore they rejected the Son and Savior of God who was Jesus. Christians um, in this early church experienced the great level of rejection, ultimate persecution, for some of them even death because the world did not know and understand. While, while culture has changed some over time, the truth remains that connection to Jesus will bring rejection from the world. And for some people, it comes at the highest level. If you are here last week, Tyler highlighted some statistics and he showed us some graphics on the screen that last year alone, over 4,000 people lost their life because they live a life that was connected to Jesus. Lost their life because of living a life connected to Jesus. You see, Jesus knew that that level of rejection, that level of persecution would come, and he spoke some promises about those people in Scripture. Listen, look at these verses, Matthew 5, verse 10. He said, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Later in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, it says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Scripture says that God sees and God honors those who experience the highest level of rejection from the world and persecution. Now, the reality is that for most of us, we probably have not and may never experience that level of rejection from the world, that level of persecution. But at the same time, connection to Christ often creates a division from the world in our lives. Because as Christians, we are, we are in this world for a season, but we are not of this world. In other words, our life as it is connected to Christ should look different. And the world, check this, the world doesn't understand obedience to Christ. The world does not fully get, they can't fully comprehend what a life of pursuing holiness in Jesus looks like. It doesn't relate to them. Therefore, when you make a commitment as, let's say, a married man or woman um, not to ride in a car or to go to a dinner meeting alone with a member of the opposite sex, the world might reject that. The world doesn't get that. Or when you, when you take a vow to go, man, in our, in our dating relationship, this, this courting dating relationship we're in, like we're going to walk in purity when it comes to sexual, sexual things. Like we're, we're guarding that to the covenant of marriage. The world, they're going to reject that. Like, they, they don't get that. And when you go like, hey, I'm, I'm taking a tenth of what God gives me, my, my income, and I'm bringing it back to God through tithes and offerings because God says that in his word and it's a way for me to say I trust him rather than spending it on yourself. You know what, the world doesn't make sense. The world, the world rejects that. 
Or when you choose to guard your body as, as the temple of God because you go, man, God's spirit's in me. Therefore, I'm not going to go get wasted or get high after work with all my buddies. Okay, the world's going to reject that. Listen to me. Connection to Christ brings rejection from the world. Connection to Christ is shown in obedience. And obedience to Christ will often bring rejection from the world. Jesus said that. Look back at John 15 and pick up in verse 22. Jesus says this. Let's read these verses again. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, um, they would be, not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But as it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. Here's a second truth today from John 15, is that connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin. Connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin. Now, these verses, when you just like, just kind of saw them a second ago for the first time, they can be a little bit confusing when read at first glance, especially that phrase that we read. It says, they would not be guilty of sin. Well, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is not saying that if he had not come and spoken to these people, that they would be sinless. That's not what he's saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying if he had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of the sin of rejecting him and the Father who he came to reveal. You see, rejecting Jesus, rejecting God is the one sin of which there is no forgiveness for. Jesus was saying that privilege and responsibility go hand in hand. Watch this. The Jews, okay, of this day, they literally had Jesus in flesh and blood, in body, walking the earth with them. On top of having the revelations from the Old Testament, all right, that they had had revealed. They had Jesus in flesh and blood. So what Jesus is saying here is for those people to still walk in sin meant that they were guilty without any excuse, if Jesus had not come to them, they would have still been sinners, but they would not have been guilty of rejecting him directly. They had, they had the, the privilege of Jesus in the flesh teaching, doing miracles among them, but they, they didn't carry out the responsibility of walking in obedience. See, connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin. And the reality is the truth hasn't changed today. 2019 is not any different. There are many people in our community maybe even in the room today, maybe watching online. And like, you, you've heard Jesus, okay? You've heard the gospel from, let's be real, just about every angle imaginable. Like, you have. Like, it, Grandma, like, she instilled that thing in you. Like, it was posted on every picture frame. There's scripture all over her house, all the little doily, okay, on the, on the kitchen table, like, okay, as we gather together. As, okay, there's all the, Grandma just put it in you. Mom and dad, maybe, maybe not so much. For some of you, like, it, they drug you to church. Like, when you're seven, put the little clip on tile and put it on. I don't want to. No, you put it on, okay, because the deacons might say something, right? Right, and you, you put that thing on. You went to VBS. You did cookies and kickball. Like, you went to all of the youth camps. You got all the T-shirts. Grandma made, like, this, like, youth camp T-shirt blanket because you had so many of them. Like, what are we going to do with them? Well, let's make a blanket out of it, right? You've been to Easter services, Christmas services, the candlelight, the non-candlelight, the upbeat, the not You've heard Jesus from just about every angle imaginable, watch this, but maybe you still reject him with how you live your life. You see, you can, you, you can have the, the privilege of hearing him, 
but yet still deny the responsibility of walking in obedience. And, and Jesus is saying here that connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin, that we, we own that. Jesus didn't call us just to hear, but he said, hear and obey. And James puts it this way. He puts it really clear. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. He draws this kind of analogy. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Or we could say, don't just go to church, right? But do what it says, James says. Verse 23, James 1. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We're like, that's crazy. You don't forget what you look like. But here's the promise, James says. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom God's word and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, obedience. They will be blessed in what they do. I want to be that guy. See, connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin, but God honors those who walk in obedience. Church, the call as Christ followers is not to be perfect but it is to be different than the world. Not like a, in we're just weird kind of different, but in a I live under an eternal truth in response to an extravagant grace kind of weird. See, connection to Christ creates a difference from the world. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer brings responsibility and accountability for our sin. But unfortunately, in this sinful flesh we live in, it's so much easier just to blend in with the world rather than to stand apart from the world. It's kind of like this. Like if, like if you're getting ready to go somewhere, okay, maybe you're going out to dinner, like a, a pretty nice dinner uh, for all my single people in the room. Like you got the hot date. Woo-hoo. Thumbs up for you. And, and if you're married, date your spouse, okay? Date your spouse. So still dress up, take them out, do something good for them every once in a while. So like it's like when you're getting ready to go out to eat, and you go in the bathroom like at home and then like the light's not real great at the bathroom mirror because you know, your husband has not replaced that light bulb that went out. It's been like that for three months. He's, he's going to get to it, okay? I promise. I got one in my house. I'm going to get to it. But, and so the, the, the light's not that great. And so you start getting ready at home and like you got your, your hair all did, okay? And you got that zit that's coming. Listen to me. Holy people have zits, all right? And so we all got one. Sometimes you got your makeup done for all the ladies. You got your outfit ready. And you look in the mirror at home and you go, that'll do. Like, like, that's the best I got for tonight. Okay, we're rolling this out. And you go to the restaurant. And then you go to the bathroom at the restaurant, and you walk up to the mirror at the bathroom in the restaurant. And what they got? They got the fluorescent light, like right over the mirror in the restaurant bathroom, right? And then you look at your hair, or that's it, or that makeup, or that outfit, and you go, how in the world? world that I walk out of the house looking like this, all right? We can carry out. We're out. We're done, okay? Right? You Listen to me. Nothing about you changed. The hair, the zip, the makeup, it's all still the same. You know what changed? The light and the mirror through which you viewed yourself. Church, listen to me. So often we are guilty of holding up the sin, the, the, the not so good things of our life, and we hold it up to the light and the mirror of the world. And you're going, my, like my lust, my, my anger, my, my greed, I mean, it's not that bad if you stack it up next to my 922 friends on Facebook. Like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. 
But listen to me. God does not hold us up to the light and the mirror of the world. But he holds us up to the light and the mirror of Christ. And Jesus becomes the measurement of holiness in our lives. And when we realize that, we go, oh, I fall short. We all fall short. And it makes it easier to take responsibility for sin, admit our need for grace, which God gives freely. See, when there's connection to Christ, there's responsibility for sin. We, we own those things. Look back at the verse 24 again. Jesus says, if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. So Jesus is he's further driving home this point that, that he, he not only came and he spoke truth, but he says, like, I came and I proved it. I, I did miracles. There were actions that I did that proved that I alone was the Christ. I alone was the Messiah. These people had seen and heard, but yet they had rejected not only Jesus, but through rejecting Jesus, they rejected God. They saw firsthand the miracles and the work of Jesus in the flesh, yet they still failed to believe in Christ. And again, I think it is still a danger that we live with in our society today because there, right, there are churches on every corner and everyone goes to church, or so they say. But we can be so close to the things of God that we miss the voice and the presence of God at the altar of familiarity. And we miss the very movement of God. Listen to me, church. God is at work. He's at work in his church and through his church, monthly, weekly, daily. He's doing things that only he can do. In 2019 alone, just, just as this exchange family here that gathers, just so happens to gather at 417 North Beardman, in 2019, we've seen over 160 new family units attend one of our gatherings for the very first time. Over the last six months, we've seen 24 people in six months take the step of believer's baptism, including the 200th person in our six-and-a-half-year history. And we've seen at least one person, many times multiple, multiple people, take a next step of faith Every single week of 2019, 25 straight weeks. And every week we see families strengthen and marriages get restored and faith be built and hope get replenished. Listen to me. Man, man, we never get guilty of going, well, I wish God would move like he did back in the Bible times. He is. Open up your eyes. And listen to me. Because we have the privilege of being witnesses to this movement of God, you know what comes with privilege? Responsibility. We have the responsibility to walk in obedience, to pursue righteousness, to walk in the purposes and the favor of God for our lives. Why? Because connection to Christ creates responsibility for sin. Look back at the final three verses. John 15, pick up in verse 25 again. Let's read them. It says, but this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Verse 25 that we read first, Jesus, he's actually quoting a line from Psalm 69 verse 4 in the Old Testament, where he says, they hated me without reason. You thought about that? 
Jesus came to earth to teach, to love, to serve, to give ultimately his life, yet he was the most hated man of his day. And even still today that the world hates him through rejecting the truth that he teaches and the grace that he gives. But then in verse 26, Jesus transitions as he closes out John 15. Here's, here's our final truth for today is that connection to Christ, connection to Christ unites us to the mission. Connection to Christ, it unites us to the mission. Jesus says, when the advocate comes, did you catch that? Who, who, who's the advocate? What is, who's Jesus talking about? Well, one chapter earlier, Jesus answered that question. John 14, 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Jesus is preparing to leave the earth. He's leaving the disciples. He knows they're about to get scared. And so he says, here's the promise. The promise is I'm, I'm giving you an advocate, a helper in the form of the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to realize that the Holy Spirit would continue the work of Jesus. It's not that the work would stop. It's just that the avenue through which it's accomplished on earth would be different. And in verse, uh, a few verses later in John 14, Jesus describes this role of the advocate, of the Holy Spirit. Look, verse 26, John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, here's what he'll do. He will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Holy Spirit's a gift to all believers to, to teach and to encourage and to convict and to, to remind us of the mission because we get we forget. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit goes out from the Father to testify the truth about Jesus. And although the world had rejected, remember the world rejected Jesus? God says, no, I'm still sending my spirit, and the spirit's going to keep testifying that Jesus was who he said he was and that he can do what he says he can do. And the spirit testifies and the spirit testifies. But Jesus says, I don't know if you caught it, he says there will be two. There will be two who will testify. First, the, the paraclete, all right, or the, the Holy Spirit in the Greek. And then he says there will be a second testifier, a second declarer of truth. It's you, the disciples. Jesus was giving the disciples a role of continuing to speak the truth about the risen Jesus. And now that same role is given to every one of us who are connected in Christ for the remainder of time. See, Jesus wasn't just leaving the disciples in the world going, hey, listen, here's the last message about persecution. Good luck with all that. No, 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 he was leaving them. He says, man, the world may reject you, but listen, I'm empowering you with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Yeah, he's going to be in you. Now, you have a mission. I'm uniting you to the mission of carrying out my truth to testifying to others who I am and what I've done to rescue the world. And so Jesus, in that moment, was uniting you and me to the mission. His, God's mission of speaking truth, he was saying, when you become connected to me, it is now your role to help connect others to me. We have a role to testify into the brokenness and to the darkness around us that Jesus is truth, that Jesus is light, that he was who he said he is and he can do what he says he can do. In the New Testament, Paul writes these verses, two verses, they're so good, and they talk about this reality of the world who has not believed and our call to help them believe. Look at this, Romans chapter 1, verse 14. 
Paul says, how then can they, talk about the world, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Look at this. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet or are the lives of those who bring good news. Church, the reality is we go to work with, we go to school with, we live next to, we interact with every single day people who have not believed. They have not believed. They have not received the grace of Jesus that can change their life and alter their eternity. They may have heard, but they have not believed. And when we live a life that is truly connected to Jesus, we will understand that it unites us to the mission of taking the truth and the hope of Jesus to everybody around us. However, there is a promise in this, okay? Listen to me. Jesus gives us the reminder it isn't our job to save people. You and I don't have the power to make someone believe. Man, as much as we would like to. We can't. You know who does that? The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He alone has the power to open blinded eyes and closed ears to the good news of the gospel, but we have a role to play. God's given us a part of the mission that we share in. Commentator I read this week named Merrill Tinney, he said it this way. He says, without the witness of the Spirit, the disciples' witness would be powerless. But without the disciples' witness, the Spirit would be restricted in his means of expression. Church, listen to me. We don't get to sit back and relax and go, God, do your thing. Or go, well, we'll just let the preachers and the missionaries, they're the professional Jesus tellers. That's not what Jesus gave us here. Jesus says, no, if you're in, if you're connected, you're a testifier. You're a sharer. You're a declarer of the truth. As God gives you opportunity, plumber, electrician, you're in. Teacher, banker, yep, that's you. Mechanic, stay-at-home mom, yep. Junior high, high school student, yep, in Christ, you're in. Believers are called to share this testimony, the, the, the truth of Christ in the power of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who saves, but it's left up to us to testify. So let me ask you a question here in reflection today. Okay, for you, you ready? When is the last time you shared your faith, your personal story? When's the last time you testified of the goodness of Jesus to somebody around you? Like in the everyday flow of your life, where it just came out of who Jesus is to you and how he's changed your life. For some of us, maybe it's weeks, a month, or years. Or maybe somebody internally right now is sitting there going, oh, shoot, I don't know if I've ever really done that. See, connection to Christ, it unites you to the mission. You, you have a role to play. I'll never forget the very first time that I had an opportunity to kind of share my faith, my, my personal story. It was the summer after my junior year of high school. 
our, uh, our student ministry took a trip to Baltimore, Maryland. We flew up there and we like sang at some different places. I know that's crazy to think. I, I didn't sing. I was on the back row. I was like one of the doo-wop boys. Okay. Um, but we would go to like different parks around this community that we were in and we would hang out with the kids and the students in that community and we would play games with them and we'd give them snacks and then there's always a time where we came around, we'd talk about the truth of the Bible. And this park that we went to um, had a basketball playground and so I hung out there for most of the time and there's a lot of guys from the community they'd come show up and we'd play pickup basketball games just hang out build a relationship and and there's a lot of dudes who showed up but I'll never forget one dude okay and and that guy's name was John and he's big old broad like red-headed dude he could he could hoop and we, we would hang out we play basketball he was there every day like clockwork every day and man he, he would listen he would play ball he'd take a snack but then he, he would always listen intently to the Bible story it would, you could tell there was hunger there. And the last day before we left, I got a chance to kind of sit down and hang out with John one-on-one. And in those moments, I just began to share some of my story, like who Jesus was to me and how he changed my life. And John was just like locked in. And I got to ask him, I was like, John, man, like, tell me, like, do you, do you have this kind of relationship? Like, do you know God like that? And he was like, no, I don't. And so I began to lay out some truths from Scripture as best I could as a junior in high school. I said, John, do you want that kind of relationship? He said, yeah, I do. And I'll never forget, like I can picture it right now in my mind, sitting on a park bench on the edge of the basketball court in a community right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, listening to John pray and listening to him ask Jesus to be the, the Savior, the leader over his life. I mean, there, like, there was, there's no greater feeling that I had experienced as a junior in high school than to know that, like, God had used me in just a really small way just, just to testify and that the Holy Spirit had come in and helped John believe. Now, the next day, we flew back to Mississippi. Um, and so over the next couple of months, like, I exchanged a couple of letters with John. We, we didn't have text messages or email. Okay, I know. Let's, let's date my age a little bit. And then we would send letters just to try to encourage him. Now, I haven't heard from John in a long time, and I don't, I don't know where he is. I, I pray that his faith is strong. I pray that it's still there, but I'll never forget that feeling of having the opportunity to, to testify and then watching the power of God's Spirit take John from, from unbeliever to believer. So let me ask you, who, who is your John? Who's your John? Maybe there's two or three. See, connection to Christ unites us to the mission. Our faith may start personal, but if it's true faith, it becomes public. And we're united to this mission that God's called us to. So as we close out John 15 today, and just some questions for you in reflection, are you connected? Not not do you come to church, but are you connected? Like, do you, do you live in a day-by-day relationship with the living God where you hear from him and he hears from you? Are you connected? And if you're connected, are you growing? Are you? Because, man, all throughout John 15, it says, man, if you're in Christ, if you're connected, you'll obey and you'll bear much fruit. So, I don't know, you and God know, is, is your life bearing fruit? And if you're connected and if you're growing, are you sharing? 
are you sharing? Because a life that is truly connected to the hope and the love of Jesus cannot keep it to themselves, but they must share the very truth that they are connected to. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.